0: Welcome to episode 112 today's guest has a unique story he was a linebacker at UAB before their football program shut down forcing him to transfer he decided to move on to play at the University of Georgia where he had a standout final season and ended up getting signed to play for the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL Jake Gannis thank you for joining me on the show how are you doing today doing good we're hanging in there how's everything going all going good i'm excited to talk to you about your journey today first off at uab your junior year i looked at your numbers they were very good then they canceled the program so what goes through your head when you're trending upward things are getting better for you individually they cancel your program
1: yeah it was it was crazy man i'll be honest with you we um you know we went through some some, some tough times, some adversity my first two years. We were three and nine my freshman year, and then we went two and 10 my sophomore year. And we got a brand new coaching staff, all that turnover My going into my junior year, and we bought in as a team. And we went from two and ten to six and six, which you know you, you might look at and not say that's not, not that big of a deal, but to us it was it was everything. And we worked so hard for that, and we actually were bowl eligible at six and six for the second time in school history. So UAB is not a program at the time that had a lot of success and history of success, and so for us to kind of get that done and 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 to make that happen, it was special. And then literally the next day, you know, we beat Southern Miss on a Saturday to go six and six bowl eligible you thought we won the super bowl in the locker room and the next day i was getting treatment in the training room and i checked twitter and i saw sports center tweet that uav was like that's how i found out i saw a tweet on, from sports center um and we were all kind of like you know like dude you see this like what what what? like no one had any like, we had no no clue i mean like this is the craziest thing like this is something that you literally think can never happen because like your Division One football program you just became bowl eligible. You know what? You're in Birmingham, which is the football capital of the South. Like what? You know, you're thinking like that's that's not even a thought in anybody's head, and then it literally just happens, just like that. And it was just, it was crazy.
0: So I guess from that, you didn't see it coming at all, being inside that program.
1: No, I really didn't. I, you know, afterwards, and then you, afterwards, and you get told stuff then I'm kind of like, oh, okay, like, that kind of made sense. Like, apparently our our, um, our athletic director, our president, wouldn't let our athletic director schedule a future non-conference games. Like, you know how they schedule them for, like, 2031 already? Like, they're already scheduling for, like, teams are scheduling 10 years in advance. Well, apparently UAB wasn't scheduling any teams in advance. And so I guess that was, like, the only, like, telltale I don't know but nothing else said that to me you know what I mean like I was just focused on on winning and and trying to make my team better and so no I would have never thought that, that that would happen
0: and what explanation did they give you for shutting down the program because I know being inside the program as a student athlete you might have gotten or heard something different than the rest of the world
1: yeah so we were told the president he came and had us a meeting and there's like a viral there's a YouTube video I think it's got like over a million hits um, from that but he basically told us that um, fi- it was a financial decision for the university um, that they were going to cut fo- the football program f- for for money for money issues for money issues that's that was the reason we were given it so I, I don't know what the true reason was because they ended up bringing it back I guess six five or six months later. Um, but I don't know, man it it was just crazy, and no one no one will ever truly know, I guess, but uh unless you know except the president, and whoever else was involved, but it was just something that that you couldn't even think of
0: Well, now I understand the facilities now that it's come back are much nicer than they were. Have you gotten to come back and be around the program?
1: yeah, I have i. You know, I definitely – I get to a couple practices in spring, go to the scrimmage, go to the spring game. Because I'm, I'm so close. I'm 30 minutes away, you know, from my house to the front door of the facility. Um, and so – and then Coach Clark is obviously so welcoming to me and all the, and all the former players. And um, a bunch of my coaches are still there, a lot of them actually. So I go up there a good bit. But, yeah, the facilities is just, it's night and day. And it's one of those things you hate to admit it because um, I don't want anyone – that wasn't, you know, in charge that made that decision to think they were right. But, you know, you kind of – sometimes you do got to tear something down to build it back up, you know what I mean? And uh, that's what they did. You know, they, they literally got rid of the football program, brought it back, and they did it the right way. Coach Clark was in charge, and he got the facilities. He got the resources. He increased his staff, support staff, training staff, nutrition, all that stuff is nothing that we had. In 2014, as a division one program, we did not have a nutritionist. We did not have, you know, the stuff that we needed to truly compete. And now they do have that, and you look at what they've done. They've had nothing but success. So, you know, I hate to admit it, but, yeah, sometimes you got to tear it down to bring it back. And, yeah, their facilities are, are top notch. They're very, very, very nice.
0: Wow. Okay, so it happened really fast for you. How do you go <laughs> from UAB to transitioning? When does it hit you that you say, "Okay, I'm playing in the SEC now"? And then, how do you adapt? What do you do differently to get ready for that league?
1: Well, I'm trying to think when it really hit me. I always tell like a funny funny time it hit me is when like to get into the locker room you use like a face you had a face scanner <laughs> and then like a they had like a, a fingerprint and, like a rectal scanner for your eye and like it's just like so high tech and and seemed like such a like big time because at UAB we just like shimmied the door open you know it wasn't like <laughs> we didn't have any we had no lock no pin or nothing you know you just kind of like jerk the door open that was our way of getting in you know anywhere and so I always joke, say that that's when I realized it was big time, but no, I mean, I guess in spring practice, um, my first spring, you know, I was a two. So I went against the one offense the the whole spring. Um, and so I'm going against Nick Chubb, Sonny, Michelle, Keith Marshall. And then obviously the starting O-line and tight ends, um, every day, every play. And so I guess that's when it probably hit me going against those guys and, uh, Saying okay, I'm here now. It's big boy ball. It's time to go. That uh, was probably when it hit me, but it was it was fun.
0: Definitely at UGA. Depending on how you <laughs> chalk it up, your third string running back, whoever that may be, still got drafted with <laughs> Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, and right. Keith Marshall. So you're yep. practicing against those guys every day. Do you have any funny or interesting stories from that time?
1: No, you know, um, you know, sometimes. We sometimes you would go like ones. On, sometimes you would go ones on ones and twos on twos. Um, so yeah, I got a funny story. Um, so and sometimes we would two spotted. So you'd be on different fields. You'd have like half the coaches over here, half the coach over here. So everyone's getting reps. Everyone's getting work, you know. And one time we were doing, we had a two field going. So we had twos on twos going. Defense, we gave him a big play, and one of our secondary guys in the second, I won't say his name, but he. He looked at, looked at me and the other inside backer, Reggie Carter, and he just started screaming, we're never going to get off this field. Talking about, like, we're never going to leave the two field. And uh, me and Reggie still juggle about it to this day because he kind of said it like he was – he wasn't crying, but he kind of, like, said it like he was crying, and it was just really, really, really funny. And then it was actually funny because most of the people on that field got off that field except him. Um, <laughs> we, we all we all ended up fighting our way to get over to the ones – and uh, and he and he didn't, but um uh, he it was funny. That's probably the only story that comes to mind. It's probably not the, it's kind of that was probably more of you had to be there, so probably you probably don't think it's that funny, but it it really was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was about it.
0: Well you had a lot of talent around you on that 2015 team. We've talked about it a little bit. I'm wondering, who do you think was your most talented teammate, the guy that wowed you the most? Um.
1: I'd say Roquan wowed me the most just from the day he showed up. Uh, he really is everything that people advertise. Um, you just talk about like speed, quickness, agility, strength, like explosion. Like when he hits you, man, he hits you. He pops. He comes out his hips and he has explosion. And uh, he he wowed me from, from when he was a seventeen-year-old freshman. You know, he was a you know he's a young young kid. Um, and then uh, besides Roquan, you know Leonard Floyd was a freak, and Jordan Jenkins f- was a freak. Lorenzo Carter was a freak. <laughs> Dom <laughs> Sanders was was awesome back there. Uh, had some really good D line in front of me, but no, I would say Roquan by far was was the most talented I played with.
0: Your linebacker yeah. room, like you said, Lorenzo Carter, DeAndre Walker was in there. Roquan Smith, Pay <laughs> yes, Crowder. Was. That's right. Leonard Floyd, Jordan Jenkins. So that is crazy. Yep. You also had some time in the NFL yourself. What was the environment like in that room with all of that talent? <laughs> it was
1: fun. We had a good time. We had a really we had a really dynamic room. <laughs> we had guys, you know, come from all different walks of life, um all different shapes and sizes and just you know, we we had a good time, but we we worked hard and we all we all wanted to get to the same place. And we all had a common goal, and that was for to put our team and our defense in position to win football games. And um, you know, had really good coaches. Was coached very well, and, and man, we had a good time. We had a good room, like you said, man. There was a lot of a lot of a lot of player NFL players in that room. You know, and then Nate Trez was another one. Um, but had a very very fun room. Good good year for us, linebacker
0: wise. You have that linebacker group against the running back core that we talked about. I know there's a debate that has been sparked recently by ESPN putting out their list of the top 10 running back schools of the BCS era. Oh, yeah. Yeah, did you see that's that? That's
1: insane. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the craziest thing I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, like, that...
1: How? I don't... I mean, that, that literally is mind-blowing because, I mean, you start... Just start with Todd. Don't go any further back than Todd. Yep. I mean, how? how? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I mean, you talk about a school, but just talk about their impact. You know, Todd went to the Super Bowl. Well, Sony won the Super Bowl um, in his rookie year. And you got Nick, who led the league in rushing with the freaking Browns. And then you got Keith, who unfortunately got injury-plagued, but was just as talented. You got Elijah Holyfield. He made, a, he made a roster and then got cut, but he was on a team for a little bit. I mean – the list goes on, but and then you start talking about obviously Herschel, um, and the other greats. But it, it, no, Sean. I mean, we can we can keep going. Garrison. I mean, there's so many, but it, that makes no sense. Not even to be top ten was just like that was a, that was a mess up, a typo or something.
0: You've mentioned it once or twice. I know. Now you're coaching <laughs> high school football. What's that been yeah. like for you?
1: Oh man, it is so fun. <laughs> I never thought that anything could be as fun as playing until until I coached, you know. It's like, it's almost, you know, there's certain times when obviously I want to be out there playing because I'm still, I feel like I still got it a little bit, you know. But, like, there's nothing more satisfying than watching a kid. I coach. I taught him how to do something. He goes out there. He does it. He has success. And you you have a small part in that, you know, because you're his coach, and he, he learned that from you. And uh, to me, I try to focus way past the X's and O's. You know, I, I'm, I like to say I'm like a, you know, I'm a try-hard life coach with these kids, man. I try to give them any inspiration, anything I can give them just to get them through the day and, and then take them throughout their life, you know, and teach them, and teach them important stuff about their life. Because um, football is a game of life, and it teaches you about diversity and so many different things, um, so many different things. But I love it. I absolutely
0: love coaching. I'm sure that you can provide a lot of value and a lot of help too to the kids in terms of recruiting because you had your first recruitment coming out of high school where you've got the 1D1 offer and then after that you have your second recruitment where you've got everyone that wants you. So what advice do you give or how do you talk to the kids about the recruiting process now?
1: Well... It, it, it's recruiting is crazy. I'll just go ahead and tell you, it's it's wild right now because these schools are having to get on these kids so young, because everyone else is. You know what I mean? It's like if you don't recruit them when they're a freshman they because they're really good. Then then you just don't like them or whatever. So recruiting has changed a lot. And uh, but the biggest thing you have to be in recruiting as a coach, as a player, and then as a college coach, you just got to be honest. You can't have your kids, you know, who can barely play for you in high school thinking they're going D1 when, they, when they're when probably not even going to be able to get a walk-on to like a D3. And you got to be real with the kids. And that's the biggest thing I try to be. And obviously, you know, I say in the nicest way possible because you don't want to just crush a kid's dreams, but you got to be realistic with them. And I think the one of the best things I do is every year... At the beginning of the season, after the season, off-season, we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about goals, plans, future. We're going to write them out. And so with each kid, I'm going to tell them where I see them going right now and, and then where I can see them potentially growing or not growing to. And so that's something I try to do with, with my guys. And we've had a lot of success. We've signed um, – we signed 11 linebackers in three years um, to, to scholarships to play at the next level. Wow. Um, we've had multiple kids who never started a game for us get a scholarship. Um, and we've got some young talent right now. We have a five-star committed to Bama and a, and a four-star next to him. And so we've got some really good young guys that are coming up the pipeline. So we're, we're actually LBU ourselves. Um, we're LBU at Thompson High School. That's what we break it down on because we put them out and uh we do a good job and uh our head coach does an amazing job of getting their stuff out and he has so many connections and but we just um we work hard but yeah the biggest thing with recruiting to me is just honesty and transparency man you gotta be transparent you gotta you gotta be okay with getting told no you know
0: yeah i'm wondering now with the recruiting landscape i know it hasn't been too long just a few years since you got recruited but How has it changed? Because I know it's a landscape that's rapidly shifting and adapting.
1: It is. You know, it's becoming a lot of social media. It's pretty much the big thing right now. Kids getting these graphics and this and that. And, like, it's all about the graphics and Twitter and Instagram. And um, that wasn't a big deal, obviously, when I was getting recruited at all. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, just... The fact that kids are getting recruited so young, I think, is, is tough because it puts other kids that maybe didn't get a chance to play until their junior year or senior year at a huge disadvantage. Because if this one kid plays a sophomore, as a freshman, and the big in state school is looking at him, well, they're not going to look at anyone else. And they're going to say, well, why didn't he play when he was young? And maybe not take the time to look at every situation. Because every situation is different in high school. You know, some kids are behind, like our quarterback this past year, he's behind Talia Tungavaloa for two years. But he was... He's a very, very good quarterback, and uh, he just had to sit behind, you know, Talia, and so it just, it just happens, and um, I think it's tough, but it's something that's its still changing. It's changing every day. You, gotta, you just got to adapt and roll with it.
0: Yeah, I've seen stories of kids getting offers like in eighth grade or freshman year or before they ever play on the varsity level, so how do you right. go about that as a coach in high school where yeah. a kid's never played for you at the varsity level, but maybe auburn's given them an offer it's really
1: tough um it's really tough because as a coach as his high school coach you feel like it's going to go one of two ways <laughs> it's going to motivate him to work even harder and and to, and do the things cuz obviously he's special if if a college you know even if they're wrong they still if they're going to do that they're going he's got to they, they're got to think he's special but What happens most of the time, and not not with our guys. I'm not talking about any of our guys. We haven't had this happen, but I've just seen it. And, like, the kid will just get an offer as a freshman, and his head will just get so big he won't be able to fit through the door. And he don't work. His teammate starts to not like him. He just becomes a, a cancer on the football team And because he thinks he's, he's a ride. And he's a freshman. And he hadn't even really played, you know what I mean? And a college just seeing his potential. Like, oh, this kid's 6'2", blank, blank, he's a freshman. Let's go ahead and offer him because he's, he's going to be really good, you know. To me, it hurts the kid most of the time. Sometimes, like I said, it it can be a positive, but I, I wish they would wait a little bit and let them prove themselves, like you said.
0: Definitely. Well, Jake, that's all the questions I had for you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on.